Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 472. That's right, we're heading towards the big 500, although it's still going to be sometime last uh, next year. That'll be after NAM, which is coming up in January, obviously, and all these Christmas and all these other things in between. In between, If you're wondering what I'm going on about, this is the show that's dedicated to music technology, music production, electronic music, electronic music instruments, synthesizers, drum machines, software, all that kind of stuff, and all the sort of satellite-type subjects around it. So uh, we do welcome you if you're interested in what we do. I think I'm welcoming our Facebook live stream as well, so I think it's all working. At least I hope it is, so hello to you. We're going to try and do this every week, assuming the technology works, but you can subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, do all of those usual things, and come and check out the latest news, views, and interviews on sonicstate.com. Anyway, uh, I also want to say thank you to our show sponsors. We've got uh, a competition coming up from Isotope, where you can win a copy of Neutron, which is their super new mixing uh, analysis and mixing tool. Uh, More details on that are roughly halfway through the show. Also want to say hello to the chat room. We've got several chat rooms. There's the... Oh, that's not the chat room. I think that is the chat room. No, that's not the chat room either. Hold on, I got it. There it is. I knew it was the right button. I've added too many sources to everything. So hello to our chat room. It's sonicstate.com forward slash live. We're the IRC. We've also got... Uh, this looks like I'm getting the YouTube chat and possibly the Facebook chat coming up here as well. So welcome to you all. Right, guests. Let's start with Mr... Jem Godfrey. We haven't had him for ages. He's now here. Uh, Jem is, of course, uh, a working producer, a live player. Did I hear? Did I hear right, Jem, that you are actually uh, going out on the road with with Yes or performing with Yes? Yes, we're going on the uh, the cruise to the edge boat in February. It goes from Miami down to Mexico, and then back to Miami, and then back to East Sussex. In my case, what is actually bringing you all the way back to England? <laughs> yeah, because set up the Thames. No, no, I, so I have to get my own. I have to a cycle home when I get back to. Do you have to? Do you have, you have to press that? Like on a bus stop, you have to press the button. I guess what a couple of thousand miles <laughs> before you want to get off for your destination. What it is is actually there's a gigantic bungee at Tampa Airport, and I just flip the switch, and I'm just they tweak you back, back out. Home. So yeah, you're. Uh, so is it fair to say that you're gonna, you're going to be doing the Wakeman type duties? That's going to be quite exciting. You're going to have a cape. <laughs> And I kind of, are you going to be surrounded by keyboards or because you're traveling light? Is there a leg, uh, you know, what sort of rig are you going to use? Uh, well, you see, because of modern technology, I'm using just a single core chronos. Ah, okay. Uh, so just one keyboard? Yeah. Just only one keyboard? Yeah, Not, yeah. Right. 88 notes. And I've got um, a nano pad as well, which I, nano key, which does an extra couple of extra octaves for me. So that's kind of, that's all I need, really. Wow, that's amazing. Fantastic. So you'll be doing all the classics? Well, no, because I'm not playing with Yes. I'm playing with my band Frost. Which is ah, okay. Ah, okay. I understand. Right. I see. Right. Sorry, I <laughs> totally misunderstood. That's why. That's why that that last statement of mine was completely pointless. I do apologise. No research, you see. Just can't can't find yes, the time. I, have, I can confirm I have indeed joined Yes. <laughs> so, in fact, your answer your answer to that would have just been a straight no. Which would have been yeah. comedically more challenging, but uh, okay. Well, that sounds great. So you're, uh, as I said in the pre-show, you're um, you're going on the Yes Ferry. So I suppose yes, the, the, the Rock Ferry, as you called it, the Rock I Ferry. Like I like that. Well, Jem, pleased to have you aboard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's also uh, say hello to Mr. Gaz Williams, who we haven't seen for a little while. Gaz Williams, of course, music technologist, bass player, and uh, producer, and mastering guy, and all sorts of things. How are you there, Gaz Williams? Uh, well, I was just having an idea then because it's been on the news about uh, electric cars that are silent when they're uh, having to make a noise. It was on the news yesterday, uh, and and I was thinking if they emitted a pitched note, a pitched like a note, 
So, every, but if that note, every time other cars passed each other, they would maybe harmonise as they oh, they, as could, they could have a, they could have a synchronised Doppler effect. So they'd actually <laughs> harmonise Doppler. That would be interesting. Yeah. But then, but then it occurred to me how they could uh, how how as a car gets older, they could do some sort of jiggery pokery, like uh, like Apple allegedly do to their iPhones, their older models, slow them down and make them feel, you know, deliberately slow them down. What they could do with these car models is deliberately just flatten the pitch that they make. So, so as they drive past, hmm. you know, people are like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's an old one. Yeah, it's off key. So you can. So yeah. when you take your car in for a tune-up, you're actually getting. You know that that would that would just be real. That's a really interesting idea, guys. You know yeah, what? I, said, okay. I, I spoke to um, uh, Richard Devine uh, when I met him. Um, sometime recently i can't remember where now and he was talking because he's been asked to get involved in sound design for electric vehicles and to create sounds that you can kind of that that feel right for a car to be making even though it's not making a petrol engine and, it must, it's, and it, i can't remember the company he was working for but it sounds like a really interesting sort of gig that and he, he gets all that because I, I think a lot of people know this about richard Vino. they know he does a lot of patches and modular stuff but he's actual sort of bread and butter day job is making kind of three-dimensional sounds and uh sound effects and things you know for for movies and, and location recording all that sort of thing he's a real kind of uh he re- so yeah i'll have to ask him about that anyway gaz thank you for joining us uh gazwilliams.me and of course mr richard hilton the chic disco master who's out on the road with chic quite a lot probably coming up for the christmas season no doubt and also in the studio with Nile rogers when he's not on the road how are you rich I'm very well. I'm glad to and hear I that. And I wanted to address myself to uh, Gaz's uh, issue there because I think it's great. Um, I'm, while I'm no expert on the sound of all the electric vehicles, I have driven a hybrid for a long time. And I know what it sounds like when it's running off the battery. And it's not just emitting one tone. It's emitting a whole host of high-frequency stuff, um, mostly from the inverter, which converts energy between the battery and uh, the gas engine and the wheels but uh, that handles the electrical side of it but anyway they make all kinds of noises and if you listen to electric vehicles like the bus system in switzerland in montreux and between montreux and vevey they do make pitched noises and they do have doppler effects so Ah, that the pitches do actually (laughs) change um but so how, that's, how does that work, though? Because, extent. I mean, it have to be relative to where you are, so it can't change the pitch relative to one person it's going past. It has to be... No, no. If you're standing on the side of the road or in your hotel room, and a couple of these go by in opposite directions, each of them is making a noise that is pitched. Oh, I see. Right. Got you. Wow. That sounds like fun. I wonder, And that's the sort of thing I'd imagine has been done by design as well, because as we know... Uh, it, there's nothing more scary because usually all you can hear is the sound of rubber on tarmac when an electric vehicle is, is uh, um, come, approaching you because you're used to hearing a more a more of a noise. And I find that really just because you look around and it's like, oh, my goodness, it's like stealth. Well, with regards to the way it works in these electric vehicles, they're trying to abate this sound as much as possible because it is – most people don't notice a 9K whine. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not part of most people's vocabulary. It doesn't sound like a pot banging on the floor of the kitchen. So it, it doesn't register with people who don't kind of do what a lot of us do. Um, but there's a 9K wine, and there's higher frequencies than that that 
come and go. It's got a whole freaking orchestra of high frequencies <laughs> that come along with it. It does. And most people don't. You never hear anybody talking about it. And I figure it's because most people don't notice. Huh. Well, I guess also there's probably not so many electric vehicles. Uh, you could be forgiven to thinking this is some kind of spin-off from Top Gear, but actually this is just a, just a, a kind of completely random topic that just came up. So anyway, well, perhaps we should talk about uh, some news. Uh, this is the Akai MPC Live, which has been basically... Um, sort of leaked due to uh, it's what seems to be an administrative error via on the FCC website, which is the governing body that deals with uh, electronic emission, uh, emissions and what have you. And when you uh, release a new piece of equipment, you have to send it in, you know, photographs, and they have to check it out and make sure it doesn't spit out some sort of horrible radio frequency that's going to interfere with TVs or mobile phones or whatever it may be. And it got kind of uh, leaked. And uh, I, I'm actually under NDA with Akai, but it does say in the NDA, as long as it's not in the public domain and so i figured the fcc website is kind of public domain so i took a chance and i wrote the story because there were some photos that showed up first uh which uh obviously i'm not getting it in because for some reason i can't get my screen to take on the switcher but you'll just have to f uh, forgive me with that uh, and the um basically uh, it looks like it's finally a standalone system which is something that that's really quite exciting because obviously MPC. Oh, what's Gaz got there? Gaz, is, Gaz, it's very much like that, Gaz, but standalone and it looks thicker. Yeah, I think that, it's. We think maybe. I'm guessing it's got a Windows 10 inside it, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but it is essentially form factor is the same as this is the MPC Touch, which is like uh, a controller. It needs a computer to work with it. It's got a touch screen on it as well. So it looks like the new version then is uh, has yeah you know probably like some sort of Windows 10 uh, embedded into it. But what I have to say is that this particular form factor for the MPC with the touchscreen there and the pads here is actually very very comfortable to work with. So I think that they've got a very good form factor based on my experience using this thing. So. Um, so it's going to be quite an interesting one uh, because obviously uh, Pioneer's uh, Torres, Torres, <laughs> still struggling with that, that one. Yeah. How do you, yeah. uh, uh, ah! uh, <laughs> so this this sector of the market is heating up again, which I think is really quite good news. Um, but you know, with MPCs, people talk about the models of MPCs with fondness about the quality of the the swing or the quality of just how the tightness of of it is. So it'd be interesting to see if those things still apply with the standalone. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, good. I think what's basically, I think what's, I mean, Oops, excuse me. Obviously, what's what's happening here is there's there's a situation whereby, you know, it's gone out a bit early. Uh, I've also I've I've heard from Akai that this is not exactly the. Um, uh, the final spec. So, uh, you know, there's some question as to whether this might be it. But essentially, we're talking... Let me see, I've got the specs here. I've, I've been trying to get the screen back on. 7-inch uh, touchscreen, uh, two pairs of full-size MIDI inputs and outputs, 16 gigs of onboard storage, uh, and 10 gigs of sound included, two gigs of RAM for sampling, full-size SD card slot, uh, USB 3 slots for thumb drives or external drives, and MIDI or MIDI controllers, which is kind of interesting. So that'll be host mode. And uh, I think it's got a battery pack as well. 
uh, uh, I'm not sure. Let me see what the f- the outputs. I need to check what the output, the actual outputs are. How many audio outputs? I think there are six, three, three pairs of stereo audio outs, which is kind of cool. I mm. don't know whether any of you guys are uh, in any way MPC uh, based. Um, perhaps you can. Uh, I don't know whether Jem, that's something that you've you've been interested or excited by. Actually, strangely, yeah. I mean, I kind of. Um looking at these things the pioneer thing as well the Torais or however you say it it's that it's kind of <laughs> I like the idea of I mean I kind of, I'm not a big fan of laptops on stage I just don't like the form of it I don't like the way it looks and, I, and, I, I'm, and I've just been very nervous ever since I took an Atari 1040 on stage at the Half Moon in Putney when I was 18 I've never recovered from that so um, something like this that's sort of standalone that's that's obviously it's Windows, but it looks like it's going to be Windows based. I'm actually quite excited by that as a as a as a concept because it's a standalone unit. I mean, I love hardware sequences, the old Yamaha QX stuff and all that. You know, it was kind of, um, I, I it could be it could be it could be useful. I wouldn't necessarily use it in a studio so much, obviously because of everything we have here. But if you can just load up your box and take it on stage and have a sequencer running live or just a way of being able to trigger samples, I think that would be that would be something that would be actually quite interesting. Um, it depends. I mean, in terms of it, it, it's the thing with the Pioneer, for example. What sort of put me off that was I think, as far as I know, you can't do time signatures outside of four four on it currently. What? Um, oh no, the shock of it. It's, 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 it's kind of. I, I think there's a there's a thing where you know it, was, it would be useful to have a sort of box that you can trigger sounds. I mean, for example, because mm. I like to use very, very, very minimal amounts of equipment on stage. So if the keyboard, for whatever reason, falls over, I've got like a backup. And it's just quite nice to have different sound sources and ways of of, of generating stuff on stage. And also, it, may, it kind of opens up the idea of doing more solo stuff. I'm, I'm in a band. But if I want to do something with just two of us, or there's like a, I, I don't want to have to do, at the moment what I do is I trigger a lot of loops and samples on the Kronos. But if I had something like this, that was kind of like a second brain. I think that would be that'd be quite exciting. I'm actually quite interested in it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost starting to you know look like some custom laptop hardware. I mean, it's effectively a computer mm-hmm. with a custom interface. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Rich? Um, it looks very interesting as a product to me. What's the price? The uh, yeah, that hasn't the, been uh, it hasn't been specified. Uh, I think. The t- NPC Touch is what? Is it about 500 quid? So what, that'd be about yeah, $600, yeah. something like that? So I, I'm yeah. guessing, okay. I don't know. I mean, for the for the live, that's obviously got a lot more going on inside. I mean, we'll run the full version of NPC Touch. Uh, the, of, sorry, of NPC software, so you can run it internally or use it as a controller. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we're t- it, it's total guess, but it's going to be, I'd imagine, a bunch more than five or 600 bucks, right? Yeah. So I I would I'm guessing I don't know but it looks like a really nice product and um, all the things Jim said make sense to me and all the reasons why guys who are button driven dudes uh, might like to have something that's as complete a quote unquote workstation as that I know that's sort of a dirty word these days but you know what I mean some form of uh, full produ- you know you can do a full sort of production concept within I would think that screen. And those pads, and uh, people will get fluent at it, and really good at it. And uh, there's, I, I, I'm sure, it's down to what they think it feels like, as compared to what they like. And because I'm not that guy, I don't really have an opinion about that. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny, isn't it? I don't know why um, it's taken so long. Because when I was looking back, there was we did see there was a thing about Windows 10. 
uh, on uh, you know being shown in Akai hardware, and that was like 2014. So it's obviously you know considerably more uh, work to kind of create something like this going uh, than we initially thought. But I think it could change a lot of things because with that amount of sample RAM and that amount of streaming stuff, I mean that's really quite a big deal in terms of what you could do. I mean, can you imagine Gaz? I mean, that live is going to be really good fun, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting, isn't it? Because it's been a few years now since there's been a physical, uh, you know, a standalone MPC. What the MPC five thousand, I think, was the last one, wasn't it? Was it five thousand? Uh, and that one was, you know, promised a lot, but was actually a, a bit of a, a, you know, isn't one of the most favourite ones. Um, but uh, uh, I think what's brilliant about this new one is how relatively compact it is and the compact the, the compact form of it isn't a compromise to the actual playability the the grid is still the same size as what it would be on a much bigger unit you know so it's it, uh, so i think they've got a brilliant a, a brilliant one here because it's going to just fit into people's laptop bags it's you know it's uh, uh yeah i think uh i think think but there's all sorts of rumours flying around as well about this not being the only one. Well, yeah. Know. Oh, you think? think you think? There's, there's, a, there's a bigger one, isn't there, as well? Oh, really? What? The, the, like the 2000 XL with all of the, the, the kind of tilted screen and what have you? There's more, yeah, there's more like a sort of trad NPC looking one, I think. Ah, look at this. I've actually... <laughs> thank you for all that. I, I'm sure that must have been very distracted with you, me running around trying to sort this out. But the, this is what it's currently looking like. I finally got the screen to show up. It's kind of, like I say, it's very similar to the touch. And I mean, the thing that I noticed is there were a few sites that posted things. And I went and looked on the FCC website, and there's basically a quick start manual link up there. So I just <laughs> looked at that and saw what the bullet points were. And, uh, and as well as rather, um, unfortunately, a copy of the NDA, <laughs> which the FCC was supposed to abide by, which I think is quite funny. But uh, yeah, but incidentally, if you do find go to the FCC website, you can subscribe to the uh, feeds of various manufacturers, although it's very hard. You can't search for manufacturers. So I'm now subscribed to in music's uh, fcc uh, submission so i will see see what happens with that in future future stuff but i think it could be very exciting we don't know anything about the timing of it i i i suspect it was probably geared for nam or just before so you know we'll we'll have the full details but i, I think that's good because there's not really much else out there apart from the Torres, as you said uh jam you know and i think you know with the legacy of the mpc kind of thing this is going to be something much more interesting yeah, I, I, I'm, it's a kind of weird thing. I was looking at it today, and you know, suddenly when you when you look at a piece of equipment, and actually, and there's that little light that goes on, you think, actually, I could do that with it. And I love those moments because sometimes, and something seemingly piece of equipment that you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, it's not for me. You think, oh, that I could do that, and that I looked saw that, and the same with the Pioneer thing, actually. Although, having so I haven't actually played with one, but I know the reviews were okay. I mean, they were good. But I think they sort of said there were some things that were perhaps well. It's got it's needed, got to needed, be a lot needed to happen. Yeah, I mean it's got. I mean something like that. I mean much as t- uh, Pioneer are kind of a cool company, they don't have a legacy of. Uh, creating kind of sequencing environments for working musicians you know that most of their stuff is dj faced which is probably why you know we're talking 4-4 and you know they've got that interesting pioneer sync thing which allow you to sync it up to decks which i think for a dj is going to be really exciting but perhaps not so much for you know somebody mm. like you uh um gem who might want to work in 16-9 <laughs> i don't also i don't quite know why i've suddenly become like the spokesperson for the echo npc here <laughs> you're in a prog rock band <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah, you're right. You're right. What am I asking? <laughs> Sorry, I was thrown because I've just spent the last f- five minutes trying to get my technology working, which now seems to work. But anyway, 
we'll uh, we'll leave it at that and and say good luck to Akai for you know their final launch and you know I I think. Hopefully it'll be well received and hopefully it'll be an affordable thing and, you know, people will kind of just embrace it because I think, you know, there is, there, there's a real want and need and desire in the MPC community to sort of, can we have one, something that this appears to be? So I, I, I'm guessing they're probably going to do okay with it and I hope it really works out for them because, you know, it's it's been long a long-awaited thing. <sighs> hey, what about this then? Um, Samsung buying... Uh, buying Harman for $8 billion. Now, what, what, wait, wait a minute. Um, for those of you who perhaps don't know who Harman are, Harman are uh, a, an international distribution company who went around, they, they started to buy uh, manufacturers. So they own AKG, AKG, Lexicon, JBL, SM Pro Audio, I think was the last big one that they purchased, uh, who is uh, the guy, Danny Olesh, who's a really interesting and talented sort of uh, technology designer, uh, BSS, Digitech, Martin, Soundcraft, and Studer, as well as wow. a lot of other stuff. But this is major news, and it seems most of the stuff I've been looking for for sort of information about this, and most of it seems to be down to because of apparently uh, two thirds of Harman's revenues come from you know stuff they do with in car audio and car systems, and that's what Samsung want to get into. So they made this, you know, they don't buy stuff very often, so they bought this eight made this eight billion sale, and now but now they've got all these other pro audio brands, and that's the thing that makes me think. Mm, I hope uh, I hope that's going to be all right, and they're not just going to go. We're not interested in all that stuff. We just want the car stuff. But it's a pretty major, uh, major bit of business news. There, I mean, you know, that, did you see Russ Hughes posted on Facebook, which uh, my lexicon just burst into flames? Obviously, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, I did. I, obviously, course. a reference yeah, to the Galaxy Note Seven. Yeah. Boy, that Samsung—they're on fire. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say about corporate mergers outside of the residual effects that we'll find out about over the coming months. Yeah, I suppose uh, so. Hopefully, hopefully this doesn't cost a whole ton of people their jobs. Hopefully, it doesn't cost us a bunch of products that a lot of people really like. Hopefully, uh, they seek to have somewhat of a business as usual attitude. But what do I know? Well, I, I, I have some news on that because I, I did manage to find ah. some. Apparently, it's, they're going to be run as a standalone business with the current current management team in place. And I think one of the reasons that Samsung bought it is because they've got a gazillion smart engineering types who they want access to their kind of brain time as well. So I think it's it's really it seems like a very good uh, a good fit if if they're not immediately start working on mobile stuff and and all the pro audio people end up with nothing. But that, I mean, bear in mind that Samsung apparently have seventy billion dollars in the bank <laughs> to spend on this kind, of, which must be coming on for a similar amount than Apple. Anyway, I don't know what do you think, guys. Have you got any of those brands that you're hoping um, the tech support won't change? I mean, I'm sure it won't make any <laughs> difference, but or looking for a new product. Wow, I mean AKG. Uh, God, it's there's so many, isn't there? Um, uh, uh, it did occur to me. I wondered if they were interested in getting some musical brands. So just if that was a, you know, if there is some, if there is some division of the of their sort of smartphones and tablets and stuff would benefit from some of that. Well, AKG um, headphones, I'm guessing that sort of thing. Um, but as we know. 
pro market is so tiny, isn't it, compared to the consumer market? Tiny, tiny, insignificant. That is the worry. Yeah. Uh, Two thirds of the business is, is to do with automotive sales. And also they do a lot of uh, sort of like stadium installations and things like that. So they're doing the same yeah, system right, for, right. you know, I don't know, whatever it is, the Staples Centre or whatever it is with, mm. with, with their bigger brands, you know. So I suppose there's that too. Mm. And they, and of course, then all the executives get tickets to the latest uh, the latest gig, and they can go and schmooze with Maria Carey or whoever it is, or Frost, indeed, Jem. <laughs> when, I doubt it. Ah, I bet you there's going to be a few Samsung and Harman execs on that uh, rock ferry. I'm sure of it. <laughs> rock ferry. Own. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, often these things don't go well, but, you know, one can only hope that perhaps this is going to be all right and we'll just continue to see products. Because, I mean, a lot of those brands used or at least felt like they had a bit more, they were more upfront. Like Lexicon certainly used to be a lot more kind of, have a lot more of a product turnover and a lot more products coming out. And now it feels like, I mean, they still obviously make stuff, and uh, but it's just not as... Uh, not at quite the same level, so I don't know if that's if that's just my perception or whether that's just you know the sort of product ranges they're into. I don't know. Uh, it feels like the lexicon name has been really de- downgraded, hasn't it? Over you know, like think how amazing that name was twenty years ago. Lexicon, it was just like whoa. Uh, but you know, it just it seemed like that 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 got a little bit. Yeah, apparently Samsung well, also make a fridge, which is a four eighty L. Which is, uh, which is, because uh, yeah, uh, those who don't true. who don't know that true. there's actually a uh, th- there's a Lexicon 480L, which is the classic kind of you know that's the the control surface with with the red LEDs and the faders on it that you used to see in the centre section of studios when they mm. existed to, uh, at those sort of scales. So now maybe you can have a 480. So when you when you said you could say we, if they if they rebrand Lexicon as Samsung, you know a studio could say we also have several 480Ls at your disposal and, and not realizing that they're just to put your beers in. I don't know. <laughs> I know corporate shenanigans, but it's big news in terms of the industry because I mean that is a major acquisition. I mean, I mean, I knew Harman were big, but crikey, I didn't know they were eight billion dollars big. I mean, that is massive. I'll see if I've got any other tidbits of information in my notes in there. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, apparently, oh yeah, no, apparently Apple uh, were uh, continually uh, suggest that they bought uh, Harman because of their in-car stuff. Because obviously everybody's trying to get into the automotive and you know the embedded stuff in there, and and that's where that's that's apparently the main reason that Samsung did it. So it's going to be all in-car stuff. But seeing as my car is too old for any of that stuff to pay attention, I'm unlikely to buy a car where any of that. Has a, has an impact on my life. It's kind of largely irrelevant to me. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's see what else we've got here. Oh, I've got this. Did you? Uh, uh, no, actually, we should probably do uh, a little word from our sponsors because it feels about the time. Uh, now, let's see if I can press the right button because I am flustered. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, here we go. This is the Isotope Neutron, which is astonishing uh, suite of uh, analysis and mixing tools that allows you to basically analyze the mix, the frequency content of the mix, and it makes suggestions as to what you should use to get rid of competing frequencies and maybe points of crossover. It's a really powerful system, and people have been raving about it, and we're giving one away this week. But I'll let you enjoy this a little bit more.
leave it there. But if you want to check out uh, Isotope Neutron, uh, basically go to isotope.com forward slash neutron. As ever, they've got uh, 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 working demos, so you can check it out for yourself. Uh, and um, we should also point out they've got a big sale on at the moment, so there's all sorts of bundles, and you might be able to save a few quid. So if you head over to isotope.com, you might be able to check that out as well. And we've also got um, – last week we ran a competition which uh, asked you to tweet the hashtag. Let's have a look. We, t- we asked you to tweet the hashtag uh, – oh, that's this week's hashtag uh, – mix with confidence. That's right. Uh, and uh, the winner from that was – um, a chap called Native Layer at Native underscore Layer. They tweeted the hashtags that we asked for, and that means that they are actually going to be able to get um a copy of Neutron. They just need to get in touch, and the Isotope people will pop that into their account. And uh, there you go. You we've got a winner. We're going to have another one this week, and uh, I've just got to basically <laughs> I've had a slight mishap here because my 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 uh, document is undone to the hashtag that I put in last week, and not the one I put this week. So now I've got to try and think. Who can think of a hashtag that we should have for this week's show for for, for Isotope? Suggestions on a postcard that I can put that in because we're going to run another competition. So what you need to do is you tweet the hashtag Neutron and the hashtag tag mix with confidence to at sonic state and at isotope inc we'll we'll go with just no hashtag that's the easiest thing so this is the competition this week you tweet the hashtag neutron to at sonic state and at isotope inc and you will be entered to win a copy of isotope neutron and once again we uh thoroughly uh, appreciate the sponsorship of the show and thank you very much for watching god i don't know if anything else can go wrong this week let's see i'm sure i could do better um so let's see what have we got going on as our next topic uh this week oh yes this is the uh oops oops (laughs) this is the 2016 adobe developer conference where they were okay how can we let the dogs out a very matey production, which I guess if you don't know the people might not mean much to you, but essentially what it allows you to do is, it's a bit like Votalk, it analyzes incoming audio, allows you to type. Dogs here. <laughs> and? And uh, uh, I kiss my wife and my dogs. Whoa. It's it's a bit of a, a a meandering demo, but essentially what it's it seems to be something along the same lines as uh, if you don't remember, Symphonic Choirs had this thing called Votalk, which uh, allowed you to type in phonetically to have sequential key presses kind of sing a choir, so this, the choir would be able to sing in you know in in. In, in the speech that you wanted. For this, what this does is take dialogue, existing dialogue tracks. So if you've got like maybe a 20 minute interview, you can get it to analyze it. It analyzes the phone gene, the phonogenes and the words, and then allows you to type in and kind of change the order or change the words of what people say, which on the face of it's a great idea in terms of, you know, if somebody fluffed their words and you can just, you know, capture it back and get them to say, but on the other side, it could be used for great harm as well. I don't know. I don't know how much uh, dialogue editing you do, Rich, but I'm not sure how i feel about this it's sort of interesting technology but i do more than you might think um this is amazing and scary as hell this stuff because what they can do is after they've sampled like say one of our podcasts (laughs) in other words they need minutes and minutes of each voice in order to properly synthesize yeah that's right that voice. So what he does is he shows you this whole sort of hocus pocus and he's very entertaining and it's fun, actually a fun demo to watch. Um, and, but then when he starts typing words in, 
that weren't part of the original script and it's saying those yeah <laughs> with that guy's voice that is some scary stuff and um i don't know what you do about that <laughs> quite well, honestly i'm wondering I, i'm just yeah i'm i'm not sure either i mean i oops excuse me i'm wondering whether uh what i mean it, I think it would be very useful, certainly for somebody like myself, you know, if we've got an interview and or there's because quite often we do a presentation here, you know, and then somebody says, oh, no, I said the wrong thing. You know, I said two gigabytes instead of 20 or whatever it may be. You know, those are the, I could see that being in video. I mean, it's, if, if it sounds convincing, you might not know a slip of the lips. So, you know, I could say, used for good in, in my case, but uh, I'm wondering whether or not... Um, it's likely to ever see the light of day because in terms of developer conference, this this thing is is essentially you know it's like maybe a couple of years out. They haven't got it going yet. I don't know. What do you think, Gas? Well, it, it it was it, it's it's really interesting, and I think what Rich says is just you know it's quite chilling, really. So I mean, I, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We now do the whole podcast through the through the medium of mime. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, I mean, it's a you know it, it is a bit glitchy, isn't it? You know when you you know it's not entirely convincing, but it's still very you know the 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 thing is is very effective. And uh, God, you just the the old adage of the camera never lies was kind of disproven <laughs> a long time ago, and now this completes that uh well not completes it but just furthers that whole idea of uh you know anything that's captured digitally having yeah not I su I any sort of reality to it it could be completely fictionalized Whew. yeah i don't i know I mean, if, if this could work with with sung words because i mean as we all know i mean you know jem you worked in pop music you know you know what it's like to work with kind of boy girl bands where you have to kind of the vocal is everything and sometimes you know perhaps they're not all they all they're cracked up to be and that's less and less the case these days most people you know now there is some ability there but sometimes you know there's like oh, we need a mix for tomorrow for you know a preview on the super bowl or whatever and the word is wrong you know could this you could see a use for it in those cases if it could handle the sung voice i mean because you're manipulating pitch and time anyway what's the difference right yeah, it's it's kind of. I mean, it's it's. I was actually looking through the comments on the page that that presentation was on, and overwhelmingly, people were freaked out in a kind of not in a good way. That was the kind of you know. It was just thinking, oh, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be dangerous if it's released <laughs> into the into the public domain. I think I mean, with music, I kind of I would hope that that if you're if you if you know what you're doing, you kind of make sure you've got all the stuff you need when you're doing the recording session. Sure. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, I don't well, know. You, but you know um, how it is. You know, some word that you might use in a lyric, and then suddenly, you know, uh, uh, an outlying territory says, "Oh no, that word means something really, really bad in our language. You need to change that." And it's like, uh, okay, uh, how do we do that? You know, I suppose that does sort of thing does happen from time to time, right? Yeah, but I think I think this, this, the spoken word and the sung sort of voice. I mean, I would imagine that. that I'm not sure which one would be more difficult. I would imagine maybe the spoken word would be more difficult because. It, it's a more complicated inflection when you're talking than if you're just mm. singing a straight note. Um, I don't know. I mean, there have been times when we've had to replace words and we've kind of we've gone to the mic and gone <clears throat> like that, just at the, at the big crash cymbal and kind of hope. But it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's I, I would hope it wouldn't come to this, to be honest. I hope we just kind of would be able to 
sort things out old school. I suppose the thing is, if you want to change spoken word, the, the intent is likely to be more nefarious than, than creative. I'd just like to point out yeah. in the chat room, there's an awesome comment from BaseX, which is Leonard Coherent, which I think is an absolutely brilliant <laughs> word. Even even giving the, the, the sad news of obviously Leonard's passing, but I just think what a, what a, what a great word gag there. Um, but... I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is going to come out in, in future. I wonder if, you know, something like this, you might need a license, you know, <laughs> sort of thing that there must be sort of certain software where it's like, yeah, to be able to use like when you when you work in a hardware shop and uh, you need to get a special permit to, uh, to to be able to cut keys. <laughs> what do I need? An eye lock to speak? <laughs> no, no. You I, need an eye lock to edit your uh, edit somebody else's words. I don't know. It's. I'm worse than now. Why is it over developing word detection algorithms for the government? Um, well, it's entirely possible. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I don't think they'd be the first, and in no way have they said they are. But I'm sure there are plenty of companies who've been doing that for many, many years for the, for that purpose. No, I understand. I understand. Audio forensic guys uh, extract voices out of undesirable circumstances all the time. But this is scary stuff, folks. Because it, it creates an environment in which you can't believe what you hear. Mm-hmm. In other words, right now I'm talking, you're hearing, you, you assume it's me and it's my voice and that I'm really saying this. And chances are pretty good that I am from what I could tell right now. But the, but once you've introduced this thing into widespread use in the culture, it's more than, it's more than just auto-tune because <laughs> it's content. Yeah, I suppose it is. Um. I guess we'll see it some, coming up sometime in the future, but it, I, I think they're kind of pitching it as sort of Photoshop for audio, which is an exciting concept, I suppose. And, and, and in many ways, it's been... Be careful it, what you wish for. Yeah, you be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on to a more, uh, a less sensitive uh, topic, perhaps. This one, I know that, Jem, you had a great interest in. This is the, uh, the fabulous 80s 4-3 video of uh, a, a look at the, the reworking of the Doctor Who theme. Hello, Tim. Good morning, Peter. <laughs> We're here in a studio at the BBC's Radiophonic Workshop, and it's here that the electronic music and sounds for the BBC television series Doctor Who are composed and recorded. That music you were just hearing is a signature tune to Doctor Who, and Peter Howell, who's one of the six composers who work here, is going to show us how he created and recorded... He looks comfortable. Or just in case there's anybody out there who really doesn't know what it looks like or sounds like, this is actually what you see on the programme. I'll fast forward a bit because uh, we get into, uh, there's a bit of CS80 action. Yeah. Going, there we are. Now, in order to get the sting effect, which is on the front of the theme music. So there's the there's CSA to the used and the, the Dalek sound, the ring mods, and then recording to tape. Well, it's a, it's a great little video actually, and it's fun. But the thing that was so funny about it, he's got the CSA there, he's got Arp Odyssey. But the thing was, it was basically everything, every single sound. I mean, there are only two or three on the CSA. He just starts with yeah, it's this preset, and I just changed this a little bit. <laughs> it was all kind of CSA preset. Now, um, Jem, you you've got a story because you you know or know one of those people is now was it? Yeah, I. The the, um, the the callow youth going, hello, Peter, and what is it that you're doing today on this marvellous Yamaha synthesizer? That's actually my best mate, Tim. <laughs> awesome. What was his name? Tim, Tim what? Tim Whitnell. He, ah. um, he, 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 I unearthed this about two, three years ago, and I said to Tim, and he died with embarrassment. Because <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's that sort of early 80s, well, here we are in the radiophonic workshop, and 
you have a tape recorder. And what does this do? It's a multi-track recorder. I see him. What do you do? And it's, it's, I love that kind of that BBC children kind of, it's just so funny. <laughs> I'd have to but say, I, th- I think you did a really good job because they covered a lot of ground in essentially what was only six minutes. So yeah, you know, good work. He kind of it, apparently he took it. He took Peter. He did it took him six weeks to put it together. I was reading up on it. <laughs> six weeks. How nice would that be? But then there's a bit where he's got like an old Arp Odyssey and he's trying to he's trying to get the lead sound and it's just kind of it's actually quite fascinating because it's you realise that it's all you know it, it was there's, well six weeks a lot of care went into it. But as you say, it's quite funny that it's actually just a lot of presets. Yeah, six <laughs> weeks. I guess I, I mean you know you got to write the stuff as well. But yeah, geez, six weeks to put the so uh, sorry that was six weeks to put the track together, wasn't it? So that, that's how long it yeah. took them. Yeah, wow, that's epic. That's for, but it is iconic. So I suppose that's allowed, mm. isn't it? I remember when. How, go on, sorry, guys. No, it's, I just I remember when it happened. I remember. I don't think I saw that article, but it was big news at the time. Do you remember? You know the the new theme, the new sort of. Uh, it was. I, I just was dead excited about it. It was amazing. That phew at the start is so. Uh, it's so brilliant. And that's the CS80 then, is it? Uh, I, yeah, I think so, but it's through uh, what 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 looked like an extremely broken phaser, mm-hmm. which I really like. He just said, this is a phaser and it's broken and it was just making all uh, sorts of crunchy noises. And I was like, yeah, nice. Like yeah. that. Nothing like a bit of broken equipment, eh? You can't, if you think about it, I mean, there's always a thing. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, how do you, this is, I mean, it must have been terrible for him because, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you go up against what Delia did with the original? I mean, that's the kind of, that's the thing. Actually, I, I was, I, went, I did a bit of rooting around for samples today. I mean, it, that bass sign on the original one was, was, I think it was a string over a box, which was that. Sounds like a steel drum there as well. It could be all sorts <laughs> well, of things. Just that kind of, and I don't know, I don't need a copyright infringement here, but you go, I mean, that's just kind of, just, that's what you need when you go, there it is, and you yeah. know exactly what you're going to get. You know, whereas I think with with the CS80, you kind of you're probably fighting with one arm tied behind your back, slightly going up against what was done. Sort of, I don't know, whenever it was eight years previously. But it's what a, what an iconic piece of music. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, nice. Only sixteen tracks as well, but I mean, six, that's that six weeks. What a luxury! Can you imagine a, a, a composer being given six weeks to come up with a theme? Now it's normally six hours, isn't it? If, you, if Ty's got any, uh, uh, if, if, you know, what Ty does is uh, is any uh, measure. That's with my experience as well. I obviously didn't. I, I don't think I'd ever heard this piece of music before. I researched for this topic, <gasps> and wow. um, well, it doesn't. It's no, not it's not iconic here. It's not part of our culture. Or if it is, it's not part of my culture. And um, I quite enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the little film about the guy who remade it and all the stuff he went through to do it. And it was it was really cool and fun. And uh, I learned something cool. So that was it was just pure enjoyment for me. But I don't have any position in this culture. Well, no, but I'm curious because I mean, you know, for me, you know, that and a couple of other tunes at the time um, were my introduction to what synthesizers could do. And they made me go, oh, I'm really interested in that. I'm just curious for you, Rich, what was it that made you kind of want to get into it? What was the first sort of track that you went, wow, I need to get me some of that and find out what that's all about? Uh, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Uh, Switched on Bach by Wendy Carlos. And uh, probably Lucky Man. Right. Uh, okay. Probably those three in combination, one sort of after another in like two or three consecutive years. Um, 
really got me interested in these things. And then the guitar player I was playing with at the time turned up with an Electrocomp 101 one day in 1972. And uh, I got to start playing around with it. And uh, the rest is sort of history. Yeah, cool. <laughs> to me, anyway. Yeah, it's no, no, you know, a legend cool. of my own mind history. <laughs> 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 Jam, what about you? Because, I mean, you know, your, your band is prog. Your productions are very, or have been very much pop, and I don't know what other stuff you're doing. I guess TV composition, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, where, what was your route into synthesizers? Was it via the kind of prog thing, or via the pop thing, or via the? No, well, actually, I mean, this is this this is why this is quite close to my heart because what when I was about seven, my dad, because he used to work for the BBC, he actually took me into the Radiophonic Workshop. No way. Yeah, in Motor Vale. And I'd never, I was, and I remember meeting Dick Mills and I was in one of the studios and it had this sort of, I think it must have been like a, I don't know what it was. It was this sort of, a synth, I can't remember, but it looked incredibly complicated to my seven-year-old brain. And, and I, literally, they let me play on the synths and I got to do the key down the piano and and I went to see, there's like, there was tape loops and, and I sort of said, and I, for that moment, I went, right, I'm, I said, what do I need? What do I need to do to work here? And Dick Mills went, <laughs> you, need a, you need a degree, Sonny. <laughs> so I went right okay hold on I literally I went off and I went I went off and sort of got through school and I ended up working at Radio 1 the BBC Radio uh, BBC Radio 1 and they used to do a thing called attachments where you go on secondment to a different place in the BBC for I think sort of you know three months or something so I went and it was this was all part of my plan for my seven-year-old self <laughs> and I got to this I was about 21 22 and I was like right here we go so I did the whole forms so Jeremy Godfrey Jeremy Godfrey really funny workshop submitted the form and they closed it down. Oh, oh. that's <laughs> such a sad story. Did you did you ever get to? Did you so you never got to go back there and and see what it had become? No, never did. So that was kind of bizarrely. That this to say the Radio Media Vale, that whole that place is, is kind of a, it's a little a little place in my heart that I hold very dear. Oh, that's beautiful! What a beautiful story. That's really nice. <laughs> I suppose the thing is, is uh, you know, if you can imagine a composer taking six weeks to remix a track, not come up with the new one, you can understand where the costs might have accrued and they might have looked at it and thought, hmm, <laughs> I think we can make some savings here. And then that maybe it was all part of the, the beginning of, of, of the end and the fact that, you know, music music composition, for, particularly for picture, now becomes really, really kind of highly pressurised and done quickly because because of the excesses of the past. I don't know whether that's a, a bit of a brutal thought. I, I hope not because, I mean... I, I, I think it's in those days. It was kind of what was lovely about it was I think they just weren't any rules. You know, they just set up a department. I think primarily to make sound, to make special sound for, for their own TV programs in house. You know, come back to the whole Richard Devine thing, and it's just that thing of, of I think they the music. I think almost happened as a side thing later on. It just was. I mean, you remember those. Um, you won't remember this much, Rich, but in the UK we used to have a thing called schools and colleges, which was a sort of they had an educational TV program in the morning, just block out the whole of, of one of our TV channels and. They were, it was all done by the Radiophonic Workshop with this music. You used to get these really bleak bits of music, you know, the, the pylon, and you kind of have these photographs of pylons and this terrible kind of <laughs> music. <laughs> and it just had that atmosphere, you know, and it, it was that sort of, it, and that was just, and it's such a part of our childhood in the UK, I think, for, for people mm. of a certain age. And mm. and I think it's just, it's like with everything, you know, you kind of synthesizers arrive and you can make music quicker and deadlines appear and there's more work and off you go, you know, and it's kind of, it was a, it was a, 
it was it couldn't have lasted i don't think i suppose that's the thing i mean with with modern instruments they're they're designed to be uh, you know for you to be able i mean whereas we're talking before you know tape layering recording it out you know manipulating i mean uh um uh oh gosh uh I've had a total m- 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 uh, brain meltdown. The original, the original BBC Radiophonic work- Workshop lady, you know, she famously used to cut tape Brilliant. into timed sections and yeah. stick them together to create kind of rhythmic pieces and stuff. And that must just take such an amazingly long time uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff, you know. And I suppose that's that's the positive that we can we could do that. I mean, I guess we're just fortunate that she was actually able to do something that sounded good because you could have someone who still went through all that process and nobody knew whether it sounded any good or not. It's just, oh, well, that's what we've got, so that's what we're going to use. I don't know. I'm Gem, I'm very... Uh, have you just got the uh, the rubber band sound on that keyboard? Because I, I'm sure I heard a couple of others say, have you got, or have you got a complete got, key group I've of... Got, I have. I've got three of them. I've got the rubber band. I've got the organ. And I've got the... <laughs> Sound. So you can go. Oh, hang on. Awesome. Uh, for those of you who perhaps a significant portion of our international audience may be going, what's that? I don't recognise that. <laughs> what the hell is that? But that's such a lovely story, Jeb, about uh, about you kind of you know trying to make it through just purely for that reason. That's that's fantastic. Right, uh, and here's another uh, uh, video as well. This is a, a, another topic that I think we have here. I'm assuming this is going to work. I'm guessing nothing's working, so I don't see why it should, I suppose. Oh, there <laughs> we go. This is Tim Exile's latest. I mean, it, this is kind of an old topic that hasn't made it in, but this is uh, a plugin he's made. I believe it's using Reactor. I think it's a free... Uh, is it free? I think it is, actually. And it's just long, granular delays and reverbs and all sorts of things, so you can create these sort of sonic textures, which I'm a big fan of. Cover up a multitude of sins, a big wash of harmonically rich <laughs> drone. Ah, beautiful. Uh, so, yes, this is Tim Exile. It's called Slow, uh, I believe, and it's just basically a, a, a free one. You have to sign up for his mailing list. I think you go to... Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes and you can check it out. But it's just—it's it's kind of this proliferation of these ideas of creating sort of washes and uh, and things that you can put sound into and then amalgamate. I mean, it's, it is... It's almost like a granular thing, isn't it, um, Gaz? And I know because you've, you've looked at... Uh, what was the what was the, uh, the sampler that you uh, really dug on the iOS, which was... Fe- uh, kind of similar in many ways. Was it sampler? Sampler without the without e. Without an e. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's amazing. Still amazing. I use it. I still use it regularly. That's still, I think, my ultimate iOS app uh, yet to be beaten by Marcus Alonso, one of the original designers of Reactable, as it turns out. Ah. Uh, yeah. This this is good. I, I haven't actually got around to, to downloading this, and it is free. That's cool, isn't it? Um, do, I think you need Reactor. You you might be able to do it okay, in Reactor Player. It. I'm sure you would be able to use it in Reactor Player as well. But uh, okay, I, I, I'd have to check that. But yeah, it's, it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, do you find? I mean, because you're a, a notey sort of guy, you know, you can play. You have the ability to kind of riff and and do build those sort of things. Um, do you? I mean, I'm I'm not, and so I do, I tend to fall into the trap of the endless reverb and long long languid washes. But then that's my my. <laughs> lazy nature i mean you find does that appeal to you much or are you just kind of like yeah whatever 
no yeah definitely um i've had various things that have done that uh freeze function um uh what have i been doing lately with it um in in the uh the eventide h9 um that's got like a freeze thing um yeah it's great no it's great i love it i mean i tend to find things like this more kind of just for my own benefit you know a lot of this stuff just just i love just getting lost in it not for any other reason you know not for any um you know making it for anyone else just just purely just to bathe in it you know just to sort of get that's lost a, in those sounds bathe. You know? that's a really good term for this kind of thing <laughs> i know um uh, gem is that something that you find uh, uh there's a place for i mean I, I don't know what what is the kind of nature of most of your musical output you know on a day-to-day basis now is it for clients is it for picture is it you know what's the sort of shape of your um, a lot, I do quite a lot of stuff for radio. There's a lot of radio station jingles, you know, Radio Two and stuff like that. So there's a little bit. There's not much. There's not much use for massive for, lengthy for drones. Massive, massive <laughs> lengthy drones. But then the thing is, I mean, I've, I've kind of there's there's Valhalla Shimmer as well, isn't there? Which I use. Yes. Which I think there's a similar kind of thing. And also this new thing is it adaptive verb? This this. Oh yes, the synaptic thing. thing. Yeah, which where you can save the frozen uh, segments. Yeah, we talked about that a little while back, and you can actually save. So you create a freeze, and you can save it and reload it, so that the harmonic content of the freeze is available to you again if you create. Because that's often the thing with these things; they they tend to go away and not come back. But I'm guessing a lot of your work must be probably shorter than the tail of a medium length reverb in its entirety as a piece of music, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I think sort of most of the pop songs I do are shorter than the kind of the thing. But it's, I mean, it kind of, it, it, those, those sort of things are sort of, um, uh, they're always useful, aren't they? You never, again, it's those happy accidents. You might come up with a thing and think, oh, that's brilliant. If I, if I side chain that and, you know, you suddenly you've got a whole new texture to play with. So it's all good. Yeah, 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 I guess. I know, uh, uh, Rich, is there any uh, um, Nile Rogers ambient projects coming up that uh, perhaps could benefit from something like this? <laughs> this music for funky airports will be coming out very soon. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually have a very, very good old friend named David Torn, who is a guitar player uh, from the New York area, actually. And who is very, very well known for his uh, sort of textural approach and who does not uh, use it uh, by way of laziness at all, because this guy can play guitar like a combination of Ornette Coleman and Jimi Hendrix. I mean, he's a ridiculously talented player in a conventional way, if he wants to be, but uh, he actually rarely wants to be and uh, uses this sort of textural thing very well to his advantage and has done for decades now and i suspect he would be very impressed with this product because i was it it does a lot of the kind of stuff he's doing in hardware on stage with his guitar often in solo context but sometimes in small groups um and i think it's fascinating when it's done well i think the difficulty i always find with it is once you've built up a layer of this kind of stuff harmonically it's very difficult to go anywhere else because it's almost like having a, a pedal note so you've cut you can only generally work over a drone i mean i i'm doing it now i've got the, <laughs> i'm working on the live set that i've got a gig on the 3rd of december in uh in uh gosh uh winchester at the railway inn uh and i'm trying to flesh out some of those stuff and i'm starting to use that sort of freeze and that kind of thing and it's it's like oh this is great and it's like but where can i go with that i think that's the thing about the synaptic thing that um, you mentioned it will follow the key so you mm, can change yeah. the input and it'll actually sort of well, adjust itself 
And this thing allows you on what once you've set up some sort of thing, you could turn one of those controls and change its pitch. And uh, Torn's rig allows him to do that too on stage. So he does actually, he can actually move in parallel motion the harmony uh, of what he has created in this texture. Or he can copy it and have it in two different pitches. And he does things to get harmonic motion. Ah, no, that's cool. Uh, here's a question for you. This is, oops, this is via the chat room. Uh, so uh, this is CL Ghost. So what is the funkiest airport? As we're all, as Schiphol. you brought it up, Rich Schiphol, would you say that Schiphol is, is the funkiest airport? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Pretty fun. That's pretty fun. <laughs> I'd say. I don't know. I think no, uh, is Madrid. It Madrid. Okay, Madrid Airport. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Sure. Some of the Japanese uh, ones are pretty based cool. Based on my experience there last year, I would have to say Istanbul. Oh. Okay. All right. I because think... I was there during the terrorist attack, not in the airport, but in Istanbul, and I had been in the airport a few hours previously. Ah, okay. So that would rank as the funkiest airport to me. Ah, okay, I got you. I'm just trying to think. There's the, what's the one in uh, the new one in Japan? Is it Narita? Is it Narita Airport? Is that the no? One? Narita is the old no. one. There's one. Uh, uh, they've made Haneda. It's H uh, Haneda is the name of it, and it's been there for a long time, but they're expanding it. Well, Narita seemed very very futuristic to me when I went about 15 mm -hmm. years ago. So uh, I guess back then maybe it wasn't so old, but uh, it still No, you want futuristic, you want to see uh, the airport in Dubai or the airport in Hong Kong. Those oh. are And uh, Shanghai doesn't suck either. But uh, the airports in Dubai and in Hong Kong are pretty, pretty darn spanking new, modern, cool. I always oh, wow. always feel like it's one of those ones you want to wear heelys at and just kind of like zoom along on those polished concrete floors for miles and miles and miles. Oh, this is not very music technology, but uh, uh, well, but why not? Lastly, I wouldn't mind. Can I just also lastly nominate Arlanda Airport in Sweden because there used to be a big sign when you come through arrivals. It used to say "Sweden welcomes smokers." <laughs> <laughs> bizarre. And then presumably there was there a tobacco concession stand shortly after that. <laughs> and then just at the amazingly, yeah. Tobacco and herring, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, I think uh, we've come to the end of our topics, unless there's any other business. I mean, it, it's not uh, it's not the longest of shows we've ever done, so I don't know if anyone's got anything they would like to bring up before we uh, head off into the sunset. Gaz, you've often got something coming into. Uh, I, I might have to quiz you about any new purchases as well, uh, um, Gem, just in case. But Gaz, you go first. Uh, well, I've um, I've been having lots of fun with my sledge. I've just uploaded a video to my channel. Oh yes, I saw uh, that. Playing around with the, uh, the sledge because I think it's um, you know I th well because the new black sledge is out, which is very uh, it's very cool actually. The black sledge I really like it. I think it's really nice. But it, I just thought it's quite. I think it's quite an underrated synth, gen by and large. And I think uh, it's it's definitely a quirky synth. Um, and just getting back into playing it really because um, mine was poorly for a bit. You see, so it, it was it was. What was wrong with it? Mm. did it just come back to life or did you get it fixed i suppose is the question i had to, I had to get it i had ah. to get it fixed yeah something to do with the uh the display the display sort of went went funny on ah. it. uh but that's now fixed and it's uh it seems pretty yeah, well it seems totally robust now um but it, it's just uh it's such a fun instrument i mean i can build patches on it in just 
it's you know super yeah, quick. It's a, it's a, it is uh, a very easy instrument to connect to, isn't it? So you yeah. fall, you've fallen back in love with your sledge. Well, that's there's there's, <laughs> there, there's something there's something Orwellian about that, isn't there? So, um, uh, not Orwellian. Uh, we could say you know it's Rosebud. You should name your sledge Rosebud just so that you can have that reference in there as well, <laughs> or maybe just fill it full of patches called Rosebud. Which was a sledge a... for those of them who, who perhaps uh, get not get. All right, I'm going to move on because I just talked myself into a dead end there. Jem, you last time we spoke to I... you, you just got into a bit of modular action and you hadn't filled your rack up. So I'm just wondering whether or not you've uh, you've you've got anything new and exciting that you've you, you've recently come across that is you'd like to uh, share with us. I, no, I've, I've actually I've been quite a good boy lately because it's obviously the tax bill's looming in January, so I've had to it's all I've had to bring the curtain down and all extravagance. I have to just sit in a darkened cave every evening and drink tap water. That's kind of it. I haven't done anything. <laughs> but I, I know, I know, Rich. You were saying that you haven't you been playing with blocks and the rolly stuff, haven't you? Kind of. Oh yes, of course, Rich. That's right. Yeah, because we spoke spoke about it last week, and you went to the event, right? Last night, I went into New York and uh, visited my friend Pat at his studio, and they were having a rolly event there, and I met. The nice people from Roli and those two incredibly talented brothers from Italy, uh, the Parisi brothers, uh, who play music unbelievably well, both individually and together. And uh, Marco Parisi, the one who plays the uh, seaboard, is, Gee, he is somewhat a, he's like mildly famous in YouTube world because he can do Jimi Hendrix on it. Um, he's a great player on that, though, isn't he? He's a ridiculously good player on it. And uh, pretty much caused me to fall in love with this thing uh which was not really what i went there to do um but i did end up playing it quite a bit and i ended up jamming with the two of them and it was really cool but uh so on to the blocks now last week we had a whole conversation about this and most of it was speculative because none of us had seen the thing and there wasn't that much information available at the time uh and in our conversation uh, Ty was particularly dismayed by the idea that you're going to have to spend almost $200 in hardware to, get, to find out what this thing is like. And wouldn't it be cool if they had an iPad app or some form of other way of controlling some percentage of these functions and making these behaviors available to the masses for, say, $20 in an app? Well, I've got good news. <laughs> uh, such, the app exists. And better yet, it's free. And is that the noise app? I don't know. I maybe uh, I don't know the name of it, but it exists and it's free and it works just like the thing uh, to the extent that an iPad can. And uh, furthermore, when you go ahead and you do buy the hardware, it communicates wirelessly with the thing, and the motions you create on one are reflected on the other, both directions. The communication speed, which was a question for me, is incredibly fast. I detect absolutely no perceivable latency when I drop my finger on one of these things and something happens. Huh, that's good. Whether, it be a, whether it be a drum or a synth. And um, they're really fun to play. And I was really impressed. And they all five dimensions of rolly um, motion that are defined in the sort of seaboard spec are supported on this little blocky thing. So you have actual pressure, multi-touch, multi separate individual pressure sensitivity, as well as individual voice modulation and uh, pitch changes. And you can do all kinds of really, really um, cool stuff on this thing. And it's kind of fun to use. So it started out briefly 
that these guys were jamming and they were both amazing on these instruments and it all sounded fantastic. And I said, that's great. And it went on for a while and everybody enjoyed it. And then I said, okay, so what happens in the Apple store when the guy who walked in to look at a laptop stands in front of one of these things or takes one out of the box after he's bought one? What does he do? What does he got? What is What happens for him? And they basically showed me what he had, uh, what they get, which is at, at the beginning, you get this sort of series of drum loops that are perfectly in sync and that you can trigger with your fingers on the various pads. And once you have triggered them, you can move your fingers around or press them in and create various forms of modulation and filtering and things of that nature. And um, I am uh, very interested to see how this goes because it's complicated. You're introducing basically a new instrument not just a new product into an existing instrument category. Although I guess guys who play drums with their fingers on button pads are probably going to be really good on this thing right away. I'm just going to throw this picture up because obviously uh, not everybody would know what we're talking about. This was the Roly Blocks thing, right? uh, which which came out. And it wasn't clear, but apparently, you know, there was an article that was posted on our site, actually, which said, you know, you can hook them up via USB. The MIDI will go out and talk into into uh, computers as well. So you do get that aspect. I'm mm -hmm. curious about the uh, – because you – so you tried the Seaboard as well. And uh, yes. that was the thing that, you know, was that the thing that you found uh, uh, interesting in terms of the expressive possibilities, I suppose? I started writing a letter to the North Pole right away. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm glad. It's good when you find something new. Oh, actually, you know, so you get a bit of enthusiasm for the meeting. I really want to get one of those things. I'm really excited. I've just finished the review of the OB desktop, uh, OB6 desktop, actually, which uh, I, I kind of feel like I'd, you know, I'd love to have one, but I, I just cannot cannot quite afford that that they are expensive but there's a there's a certain thing I mean, one thing that i kind of came to realize when i was reviewing that was okay it does it do does it do does it have like no not in many cases it doesn't have some of those things that you might expect in a synthesizer of that price but it has the ability to be an instrument that you play and want to interact with and make good stuff on and i think that's actually a really that's an indefinable factor isn't it that's the thing that's kind of hard to sell unless you put it in front of somebody and they go oh i really like this i'd like it but you know then you've got to think mm, can i afford this or not i mean and i guess you have the same experience with the roly stuff but uh, thank you for it for sharing that with you with us and uh, i hope santa is good to you and you you can enjoy <laughs> uh, and then you can spend the christmas break learning how to play it right I think uh, Mrs. Claus and I are going to have to have a negotiation about this. Yeah, they're not the least least expensive things, but yeah, okay, cool. I think. Can that's... I just yes. can I just say something about that? Just to uh, just to clear up something about the software, uh, because uh, the app Roly Noise has had been out for a while, and the graphics of the Roly Noise represented the seaboard, or rather the seaboard rise particularly, and uh, and then. When these were announced, the new update for noise completely discarded the Seaboard interface completely and went for this new interface, which is a, a complete match to the to the ah. blocks. Then they brought out recently, another one, didn't they? Yeah, they brought it back. Then, as I think, uh, I'm not sure what it's called now, but the, they've brought out the Seaboard uh, app back again, but under a name like maybe Seaboard. 5d or whatever it is um so and the fact that the app is free does let you uh have a good look at it and um i have to say right now because i'm interested in this sort of stuff um right now the fact that that app is the only real 
thing that you would get if you got one of these. I mean, yes, you're right. You could hack it a little bit. You know, well, no, you can there. connect with the uh, uh, gosh, the equator synth as well. No, it's it's a generic okay. MIDI controller as well. It does send okay. MIDI out to you can. It, these guys substantially were playing sounds out of contact. MPE, uh, it'll, it'll do MPE, won't it, as well? So yeah, great. Okay, well that's great then. So it's just that the app is, uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of sounds, a bunch of loops, uh, and and that sort of stuff. Just you know, you play around with it, and it just it's it's great yeah. fun for a little bit, and then after a while you realise right. It, but yeah. that's the guy. That's the guy who went into the Apple Store looking to buy a laptop, maybe, and who stumbled across it, and that's how he is. He gets into the thing, and that's what they really have to try to do with a new instrument like this. Because if all he was going to do was try to appeal to you and me, they've limited their market tremendously, and yeah. so I assume that that's why they're trying to do this. It's a hu- It's a Herculean yeah. task to introduce a new musical instrument interface to a society that's got like more than they can already handle. I mean, on some level, um, <laughs> but, good, but very good it point. is, but this thing yeah. is really, really cool and fun. And the touch is everything you're hoping it's going to be. And the way you can operate on different axes and make different kinds of modifications to a single sound while you're holding on to it is really cool and unique. And, uh, it, I respect what they're doing. I really do. And I, I got to tell you, those guys, the Parisi brothers blew <laughs> me away. With their demos. Wow. Yeah, no, they are really, really good. I, I know we did spend quite a lot of time on the Riley stuff last week, and I know um, a substantial amount of that was uh, was Ty's opinion on it, which, you know, it, it didn't work for him, although he's a big fan of the other Roly stuff, so in his defence. So, yeah. Okay, well, I think that's probably a good time to stop on that positive note. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. It's been great to have you. Uh, before we go, just to remind you that if you want to get hold of or enter the competition for an Isotope Neutron, uh, Please, all you have to do is tweet the hashtag Neutron and to at Sonic State and at Isotope. It's just a one hashtag week this week. Uh, so the hashtag Neutron, that's N-E-U-T-R-O-N, if you're listening on the audio version of only of this, uh, at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So uh, just made me say thank you very much to our guests. Thank you very much, Jem, to, for, for joining us. When are you off on your uh, your your cruise? The, 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 is that soon? Uh, it's it's <clears throat> February time. Oh, yes, February, February 80, did say. 80 days. I'm just going to say, everything Ty said last week, don't worry, we can change it all with Adobe Voco. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes, I suppose you could, couldn't you? But, Jem, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. I know you're a busy guy, and it's good to have you when you can make it. So uh, please do come oh, back. I do. I love it here. So thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> and also, uh, Mr. Gaz Williams over there in Bristol. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have Gaz over here next week. I think we're going to do a, a couple of videos. So I'm looking forward yes. to that. So yeah, thank you me very too. much. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. I'm, I'm looking for the... I think we need to get a picture of you and Cuckoo together. Your hair length and beard <laughs> size are really, uh, really similar now. Um copyright here <laughs> yeah yeah all right fair enough anyway guys thank you very much for joining us been a pleasure and also mr richard hilton who's uh, no doubt about to leap into a speeding car helicopter or you know i don't know some such thing maybe a, a rickshaw rickshaw to, 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 to wax hotties in the studio thank you very much rich been a pleasure having you
Thank you, and it's been great to see you guys. Right, okay, that's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much for watching. Uh, remember, uh, I think this, uh, hopefully the Facebook live stream has been holding up. Thank you very much for watching on that. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to see our other content. We don't put everything on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and also um, come by the site and check out our reviews. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time.